Hello, and you are very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I'm speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, today I'm joined by Sarah Callanan, Managing Director and Michael McCrory, Head of Consumer PR at Elevator Promotions. Sarah and Michael, you're so welcome to the podcast studio. How are you both today? Great. Thank you very much, Sarah. Yes, lovely to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more. And before we begin, I'm going to give a little bit of background on Sarah, Michael and Elevator Promotions. Elevator Promotions are Northern Ireland's number one promotional marketing experts who've just created a PR division. They connect brands with people using smart thinking, years of experience and inquisitive minds. The business was founded in 1994 by Sarah Canallan at a time when there was no World Wide Web, email, smartphones or social media. They strive to create and deliver unique and effective promotional and PR campaigns, and they do this with passion, creativity and commitment, which is why some very big names choose Elevator and they stay with them. Now, Sarah is originally a Dubliner. She studied law in UCD, but after graduating, she decided to follow her passion for marketing all the way to London, where she worked with big names like Nat West, Cadbury and Golden Wonder. But nine years later, when love brought her back to Belfast, Sarah didn't want to leave behind her career aspirations. And that's why she seized the opportunity to start her own promotional marketing agency as part of the well-known GCAS Communications Group. 17 years ago, Sarah had the opportunity to buy the business out and rebranded as Elevator. She's never looked back. Now, Michael is the ultimate example of starting from the bottom and climbing his way to the top. At just 17, he began working part-time in a bar whilst juggling a full-time office job. Though he had dreams of pursuing PR, his wanderlust took over and he landed a hospitality role that allowed him to travel the world from Ireland to Abu Dhabi. Now he's back in the PR game and he's a firm believer that traditional paths to success, like college, aren't the only way to make it. With a solid work ethic, self-confidence and a hint of good fortune, anyone can achieve their dreams. So quite an introduction to a very exciting business and I suppose it would be great at this point to find out a little bit more about who you are as people, um, a bit of information about yourself. So Sarah, we'll, we'll start with you first of all. So my background actually is not in marketing. It's a, I'm a law graduate, but I decided I didn't want to be a lawyer. So I took myself off to London and worked in marketing agencies there um, and over time found that I was in a relationship with a guy in Belfast and needed a, a purpose, a business purpose, as well as a, <laughs> an emotional purpose to move here. Um, and that purpose became setting up my own business because what I was doing, promotional marketing, just didn't exist here in Belfast. Ah. Um, so I had, a, I had a very compelling reason to set myself up in my own business from the get-go. And you made it happen. Brilliant. Yeah. We'll come back to that in a minute. What about you, Michael? So how long have you been working with Sarah? How did it start for you? Yeah, so our relationship started, I checked this morning, four months and one week ago. Oh. Although we have known each other for a lot longer than that. 
Um, so yeah, so the PR division for Elevator just opened that very short time ago. Very short time ago when you're on the podcast today, I suppose, to, to tell people exactly, exactly. what you're doing now. Um, well, Sarah, if we go back to what you were doing, first of all, promotional marketing, that was originally what the, the business idea, but it's expanded. Yeah, I mean, it's still very much our, one of our core specialisms, but what we're now proud to to be able to offer clients is the fact that we also offer consumer PR under the one roof as well. Uh, and that's proving to be really, really popular with our clients. So the promotional marketing covers a number of their requirements, but adding the, the, the PR division has really sort of filled out our offering. And Michael, PR has been your baby. It is my baby, yes. As Sarah put it so eloquently, I'm kind of running my own business within a business because nice? it's just me. It is lovely, I have to say. Um, and I love the challenges that are coming with it as well. And it's great that the clients that Sarah has built such a good reputation with are also trusting me to do some PR. So it has been a lovely, lovely start. A very busy start, but a lovely start. And an exciting time to be starting a business for so much is unknown out there and so many exciting opportunities too. So I suppose give us the elevator pitch for Elevator. Well, we we offer many services, but they come under really the, the one umbrella, which is making connections. So we're all about connecting brands with people. And uh, the promotional marketing side of that is very much uh, about um, finding the purpose in a transaction, finding the motivation to try or buy a new brand and nudging the consumer in the direction of our clients' brands. The line used to be that um, if advertising takes a horse to water, Sales promotion is all about making a drink. Yeah. Um, over the years, obviously, as needs and consumer uh, expectations have changed, how we deliver that connection has changed. So obviously, social media is now a key part of our offering, and that's probably one of the biggest changes for us. Obviously, we've changed with other technology changes over the years, from smartphones to, to laptops, but the social media aspect of marketing is probably the biggest change to our offering. Um, PR obviously isn't a new offering in the world of communications, but it is something that was missing from what Elevator was offering to our clients. And the fact that we can now offer it either on an ongoing retainer basis or on a project by project basis is proving incredibly popular. And did this happen organically or did you know that Michael was the one for you or, you know, what, what why now? Uh, it, it happened organically and, as Michael said, we already knew each other and had worked on some shared clients together. So when the opportunity arose to actually make make our sort of business connection a more sort of integrated one, it just was a bit of a no-brainer, particularly with a couple of our key clients who we shared in common. Um, and we knew it was going to allow us to offer a much tighter, focused, integrated service to those particular clients so can you tell us a little bit about your clients and the client base? Because you, presumably you've both got worked with lots of different people, but yeah. anything exciting you're doing at the minute? Well, so Ele Elevator is lucky to have a range of, of very sort of well-known uh, household brands as our clients. So we, and, and, and they're a mix, they're not all brands, some of them are services. So we, we, we would boast TransLink, Tato, Boost Energy, um, Fitzwilliam Hotel, Mallon Sausages, uh, you know, the list so goes on. The list goes on, and 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 it's varied. So it's it's many of Northern Ireland's favourite household brands. I didn't mention Dale Farmer, Irwin's, for example, as other ones. So there's there's that's been going on, and a lot of our clients have been with us for a very long time. And um, Boost is a relative newcomer because we've only worked with them since 2017. So that's what I mean by having kind of uh, ongoing clients for a long time. 
Uh, and Michael worked on the PR for Boost for a number of years. And that was one of our big uh, sort of interests and motivations in, in our merger this year was actually being able to be better service Boost in what was a very important year for them, which was their, their 20th year in Northern Ireland. Gosh, and Michael, tell me about your love for PR. Yeah, so I grew up in a household where a career wasn't really discussed very much. Um, I didn't do A-levels, I didn't go to university. So I kind of fell into PR by accident. Um, I saw a job back in 1996, it was, uh, public relations. And at that stage, I was doing a few hospitality jobs. And I thought, well, I really enjoy working with the public. Mm. I'll see what this is about. Went along for the interview. And I worked out this morning that um, next year is my 25th year in PR. So I immediately connected with it. It was lovely to be able to flex the muscle that you like to write, but there's also the creativity. There's the connecting with the business community. There are so many things about PR that I really enjoy and I really love and I'm passionate about it. What's been the most exciting thing you've worked on today? We were thinking about that on the way down, on the drive. Um, And recently, last month, it was actually last week, we did the 20th birthday for Boost. And that was a huge campaign. Um, It involved lots of PR, lots of the marketing team, um, and a a big headline event then in, in Titanic Hotel. I mean, just to see all that come to life, the campaign was called Always in Your Corner, which we interpreted for the whole of Northern Ireland. And it was just, it was a very successful campaign and a very exciting campaign. And wonderful when you've been connected with them for for such a long time. Is that what you like? You like getting a client and, and, and just staying together? Would you see yourselves as a very loyal company or do you ever get a point where you think, do you know what, I think we've done enough for you now? No, I mean, it, it can happen because obviously you're not just dealing with companies, you're dealing with people. Um, we're very lucky. Most of our, our clients, both the, the companies and the people, have, have been with us for a very long time. So clients such as TransLink have been with us for over 20 years. Tato's been with us for almost 20 years. Um, and when you build a relationship, and a lot of what we do is based on trust. So when that trust has been established, um, you know, it's, 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 it's almost a no-brainer to stick with each other. But obviously, sometimes things happen, client requirements change, sometimes personnel change. So sometimes by default, you know, there is a growing apart. It's like any relationship. But we do really, really pride ourselves on the loyalty that our clients have towards us and the loyalty we show them as well, because I think it benefits everybody in the long run. The work you do is better when you've got that intense relationship and that length of knowledge of each other. Yeah, I think that is so important. But then, as you say, you could have that relationship, but the way that you do your job changes so much. You've talked about the rise of social media. You've got influencers who are out there now. And, you know, if if you, you're having to adapt and learn, um, how do you do that? Do you bring others in or do you literally just sit down and work it out? Very often it is just exactly that, sitting down and working it out. Um, sometimes our clients have maybe brought people in. So we, we, you know, we do learn a lot from our clients and from their expertise. They have if you like, the, the focus which you have when you own a brand, that they can do all of the introspection, research, navel-gazing that's required to, to, to make the next move. Sometimes as an agency, when you're working across multiple brands and multiple campaigns, you, know, you are relying on a lot of the information and the intelligence coming to you from the client in terms of their needs, because also their consumer's needs are changing. So it, it is a constantly evolving um, uh, situation. But the essence of marketing doesn't actually ever change. It's just the tools of the trade change. So in terms of the rules of persuasion or of 
understanding or rewarding or communicating with consumers, that doesn't really change. It's just how we go about talking to them perhaps does. And how do you measure success then if it's if it's all about reach, if it's all about hits, if it's all about likes? At what point do you pull back from that? And, and how do you know when something's worked? Well, a lot of our um, clients are very focused on the results and because we're, if you like, at the, at the promotional marketing end, we are also often looking at sales. So we may be looking at have they sold more of this particular mm-hmm. product in the 12 weeks period of the campaign or over a period of time has a certain perception or attitude changed. So we may be looking to connect more with a, a, an 18 to 21 audience and in the, you know, they've noticed the brand is getting older. Actually, the research that will follow up will actually establish has, have we managed to shift brand perception? Have we sold more packs in the time? And also with things like the likes and impressions, we will have objectives. I mean, our, our clients are very numerous in terms of the results. So even in terms of likes and impressions, those will be down as key KPIs at the start of the campaign. We will be held to task on whether we've delivered on those KPIs and those objectives. How much pressure is that, those KPIs, those results all the time, Michael? Oh, yeah, there's pressure. Um, it's because your your client has given you a huge budget uh, and maybe not a huge budget and you want to get as much out of that for them as you can. So we always feel the pressure, especially because we have such good relationships with our clients. We always want to to deliver, but almost over deliver for them as well. Um, it's there's a, get a lot of pleasure out of that. You know, when you see their faces at the end of a campaign and, you know, you've maybe added 10% onto what you've maybe promised. Now, Sarah, and you've both been talking about, you know, very high profile uh, clients. If there's anybody listening to this, a lot of entrepreneurs tune into this uh, uh, podcast. I'm just thinking, you know, are you looking for new people? Yeah, it's, uh, I actually do want to add something because, yes, we, we do work with um, household names, but I'm also really passionate about connecting with, you know, smaller companies who are, are looking for PR. You know, you've got you've got guys out there who don't necessarily know that maybe the same budget that you would spend on an ad in a newspaper or on the radio, if you give that to someone who's a PR professional, they could do something very creative with it and mm. get your brand recognised in a completely different way. So I like nothing more than meeting with, you know, a new business that's maybe been going for five years, hearing their story, going back to the office and brainstorming with, with the, the, the guys and coming up with a, you know, a PR plan for them and, and how they can grow their reputation and increase their sales. Love that. Passionate yeah. about that. And you don't know where they're going to go. And isn't it Never. lovely to be in at the start of a journey? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really, really good advice because at the start of a journey, some previous guests who sat where you are now, there it's all about cash flow at the start. And, you know, at that, that ad that they've paid for in the newspaper, that's taken a lot for them to commit that money. So how do you know where to best put your money? And does PR actually deliver results? Yeah, it's, it's a gamble. You're right. Um, and I suppose for PR, we do evaluate what we do for our clients. You know, th- there will be a number of pieces that you get in print, online, on radio and social. But it's also more about reputation. It's about what people are saying on their social media, uh, on Facebook. Oh, I saw that piece. That was a really good piece. Or I saw that business feature. I didn't realize your journey was very like mine. It's just about connecting and building the story behind the brand. And so if I came to you with a business idea tomorrow or said I'm starting up and I've I've got this small bit of money, but I'd like you to run with it, what way do you start? Uh, that, that's, I, I love that. that that's literally... <laughs> the blank canvas. I just love it. I, I'll, I'll go and sit down with you. We'll have a coffee. We'll talk about your business story. It isn't... 
it is about what you do, obviously, that's important, but it's almost about how you got to where you are. You know, that's probably where the gold is for PR. You know, your business story, the struggles you've had, the successes you've had, the hoops you've had to jump through, and that to me is the heart of the story. And, you know, it's about that person usually. Which and is exactly what yeah. we do here in the podcast. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And actually, um, Michael already mentioned the, the Boost's 20th birthday. So as a for instance there, a lot of what the, the, the marketing team was doing was we're trying to make sure that we launched a number of new flavors and products for them this year. We had a number of key campaigns that, that, that we activated. But all the way through this, through PR, we were telling the Boost story, the history, how they got to where they are, but also not stopping there. What's next in the pipeline? You know, they're not sitting you know, back on, on their laurels. It's all about moving forward. So that's a great example how our, our, our KPIs for that campaign were. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business law practice located in the heart of Newry City. We provide legal advice and representation to individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries on an assortment of legal matters which can affect a business such as corporate, commercial, employment, dispute resolution, regulatory and compliance. We focus on providing legally sound, commercial and practical advice to our clients. To get in touch, contact 02830 262200 or visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk to find out more about the firm and our services. They were about achieving sales, loyalty, shifting the perception a little bit towards a, a, a younger audience, introducing new flavors, but also telling that big brand story because they also have brand aspirations in terms of their reputation. So that's a great example of, of the two elements coming together. And, and, and although you mentioned about um, big clients and big budgets, that's not necessarily all the case. We've got some lovely big brands. Sometimes our budgets are very small. And, you know, it's, it's for us, we take pride in what's the best thing we can do with that £5,000. And very often some of our big name clients are bringing us budgets on that level. They are not necessarily big, big budgets. And it's let's treat this money carefully. As you say, even if they're a bigger brand and they have the budgets, they still expect it to work really hard. Um, and the relationships are also key because we're not about to do a sort of a smash and grab. We're, we're going to be there at the end of this campaign and ready for the next one. So we know that what we do with this small budget or this small brief matters because we want to be looking across the table into their eyes, you know, next week or next month when they come back with another brief. So that, that's also a key part of our trust factor, I think. And how important is the consumer in all of this? How much research do you do into the product's uh, customer, if you like? And, and how much do they really want to know the story behind the business? Well, firstly, consumers are no different to anyone. They tend to, they tend to leave their money with people and places they like. In the same way that in business, we tend to do business with people we like. So consumers absolutely... They, they care and obviously increasingly we know they care about the ethics, they care about mm-hmm. all of the things that are behind the brand. Um, but also in, in sort of the world of you know, FMCG, so things essentially that you're eating or using or drinking or whatever, really it comes down to it's what does it taste like? Do I like it? Can I afford it in my, in my daily life or my weekly life? Is it a treat? Do I know how to use it? Can I buy it nearby? So a lot of the things we're talking about are they're fairly obvious, but actually 
to make them happen, there's a whole machine in the background to make sure that products are available where the consumer wants them in the format the consumer wants them. So there is a lot of insight. And as I say, a lot of the time, the clients are really on top of that. That's, that is their, their bread and butter. What we try and do is connect with the consumer when they're on that journey. So very often with, with advertising, that message may be before they've reached the point of making a decision, before they've got to the shop or the bar in the case of a drink or whatever. We're really about trying to, when they get to the shelf, why are they choosing brand A over brand B? So that might be that we've got an unpacked promotion. It might be that we've got some fabulous point of sale in store. It might be that there's a great chance to win. But we're also talking to them on social media and making sure that our tone of voice is authentic so they feel like they know the brand. They like the brand and they feel the brand understands them. Most consumers do feel that they're in a bit of a relationship with a brand. Mm, yeah, definitely. Consumers mm. like to. Yeah. They like the loyalty yeah, thing as well. They do. But what about those... Um, those businesses that are constantly trying to get in there, trying to get you to click on their ad or, you know, the algorithm, the rhythms and the cookies, because it's become heavily regulated. People are a little more savvy now as to, is my phone listening to me? All of these things, these pro this product yeah. placement. How careful do you have to be there? You, you do have to be very careful. And, and frankly, you know, it's, it's, it's easy enough to, to bombard people and to reach numbers if that's the way you're actually measuring the reaction. You can't but, you know, do that. For, 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 for brands such as Tato, you know, the love that the consumers feel for Tato, you know, we don't have to try and we know we don't have to. We, 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 we put it there and yeah. let them come. And I know there are other crisps available. Yes, yes, really. <laughs> are there though? Are there? I don't know. You can't beat cheese and onions. No, no. Um, so yeah, you have to be very careful because, because the, there isn't any substitute for that genuine love that, that, that people feel for a brand and when they do feel a, a connection. And if you actually spoil that relationship by by over-commercializing it, then you, you can actually damage something. Now, that's not to say that for some brands that's not the right way to do it because actually they maybe are selling more online, they maybe are actually getting their numbers by doing it, and, and that may be what their objective is, purely units, not necessarily the love and the relationships, and that's fine. But for most of the brands we work with, we do need that sort of, sort of deeper emotional connection. Michael, do you want to add anything to that? No, I think that's that's perfect. That's exactly. She's yeah. done it, it in is, a nutshell. Yeah. Totally. And the business is going well. You're working well together in your four months, four months and, one and one week. week. Yeah, yes. I have to say, uh, I'm loving it. Um, I, I I enjoy my job anyway. What is what's that saying? If you like what you do, you never work a you day never in your work life. A day in your life, yeah. and I love what I do. And you get to eat tato cheese and onion whenever you want. Obviously, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I love what I do. I love working with Sarah. It's a really varied team. Lots of different personalities, which always helps. We just had a new member of the team, so we're expanding. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic place to work. So Sarah's already mentioned that the essence of what you do hasn't changed. But, you know, how does operating on a daily basis, how does it look now compared to the way it looked when you started out? Oh, God, yeah. So when I first started out in PR, um, we didn't email photographs. The photographs were taken. We got the five by fours into the office. We typed out our captions, sellotaped them onto the back of the photos. <laughs> And then they were couriered to the yeah, sellotape and they were sent to the Telegraph, the Irish News, newsletter. And at that point, then we had to wait days before we saw any coverage. Usually. That's right. You I think I might have been in some of those photos <laughs> 20 <laughs> years ago, 25 years ago. And you wondered, did, will it get any coverage? Yeah, so now that, you do an massive. event and it's immediate. Now, now, literally, I can take a picture from my phone or I'll be out on a shoot with a press photographer. He'll do a photo, he'll email it to me, and then it goes to the newspaper, and it can be online within minutes. Mm. 
so different now. Is that t- too much pressure or is it okay? Do you prefer it, Do the immediacy what? of it? I think because, okay, it was kind of overnight that all of that happened, mm. but it's almost you're on the journey, so you're able to kind of grow with it. And, you know, I'm lucky in a way that I've seen where we've come and where we are now, and I've been able to roll with it. But I, I love that immediacy of it. I think it, it helps me do my job. Yeah. And, you know, it can also be a pain, you know, well, especially with social media. Work in the news as well. And Absolutely. somebody said it should actually be called the olds now yeah. because nobody makes that appointment to view anymore. So when you're tuning in at six o'clock or ten o'clock, it's nearly the olds. It's the wrapping up and they've got it all well earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's so much has changed yeah, it's even in something such a like, short period. It's even something like... Um, you know, holding back is usually when we do photographs for a, a particular PR piece, whether it's for GM marketing or for the Fitzwilliam, we would usually hold those back for days and let the newspapers have the first go at using them. Like that is another thing that's changed. Now they're just out on social media immediately. Or somebody else has taken the snap of you taking the snap and, you know, how do you stop people attending? the? You want the buzz of the event and nearly if you're too late with your social media, you've missed the boat. Correct. So does that add pressure? I think I think the immediacy does add pressure, but I think it also adds it, it, it adds results. It adds it adds texture and quality to what we're doing. Um, everything is obviously faster and faster. Doesn't always mean better. I mean, you know, obviously I'm I'm old enough to have you know worked with faxes. You know, I think a, a our, our new recruit starting today. Well, if, you, if I try to explain what a fax was, I think you know she'd still be looking at me <laughs> and a modem <laughs> and all those uh, yeah. things um, and that famous noise when you're yeah. dialing up. But actually, but actually, you know. An email is a wonderful thing, but I think we all, you know, can confess to just death by drowning of emails, just the sheer number that come in. And, you know, I heard an ex- somebody yesterday on the radio talking about, you know, I was trying to catch up with emails and they said, oh, but don't you know, you can never catch up with emails. <laughs> no, and I went, exactly. oh, that's actually so true. You should see how many are unread on my phone. Yeah. And then I think, oh, yeah. and, and the stress of it. And then you think, really, if I don't respond to this, will, they, will the yeah. world end? Yeah. Um, and a- another thing I'd I kind of like to add in. Just in terms of how the world has changed now from a PR perspective and certainly from a marketing and promotions perspective is the rise of um, influencers. There's a couple of our brands in particular, like the Fitzwilliam being one and Parfums de Marley being another one, where influencers are very, very important to us. So back in the day when I first started out in PR, there was no talk of influencers. The influencers were usually footballers, pop stars. They were kind of, which were unattainable, Mm -hmm. which were unattainable. But now you can go out into Belfast, into County Derry, London Derry, and you can find influencers in those regions where your clients are potentially operating. So it, it allows us to offer another kind of strand of uh, promotion, really. For it's a whole new world and even the understanding world, so. of, of what it an is. influencer and a good influencer. And, yeah. yeah. And actually, I mean, traditional advertising has been impacted by that, which is not our, our sort of bag. But obviously people don't listen to a voice of authority, if you like, in the form of a, a brand ad or, or a broadcast message in terms of getting their brand choices. They're much more likely to get that from a peer or from an influencer that they follow. So they feel that they are... Um, choosing which brands that they want to bring into their lives rather than being sold to. So that peer-to-peer and influencer messaging is very, very important because there's an element of not trusting the established voice. Um, and that happens obviously in, in the world of news and, and, and media as well. But it certainly happens in the world of brand marketing that a brand saying, I can do this for you is not necessarily going to be 100% trusted unless it's seen to be endorsed and used by 
people like you. You know, it's a third it. party endorsement, mm-hmm, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it all works to complement yeah. the the final offering. So yeah, it sure does, yeah. together we're stronger. Um, Sarah, what's been the hardest part for you for running of running a business? Well, I suppose it's all the the usual things. I mean, and I won't even go into COVID because that was a whole a whole different ball game of difficult. But I think it had the benefit that we were all in it together, and that none of us knew how it was going That's to play right. out. Um, but the, I suppose that the, the difficulties in a small business are, particularly in a service based industry where you've got clients, is that you do tend to always put your clients first. You know, you don't always remember to market yourselves, so that can be a, a, a challenge. And and I think probably sometimes closing the laptop at the end of the day is sometimes a challenge. You 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 tend to let mission creep and suddenly, oh, I'll just do a few more. I'll just do a few more. So those are some of the challenges. Um, and I think for, for a lot of businesses in, in Northern Ireland, keeping the right people, having them, you know, energized and enthusiastic. And we're lucky we have you know, a team who've been with us for a, for a long time. But, you know, you, you also need to bring in new blood. We need particularly to have younger people in there representing that younger viewpoint of brands. Um, so getting the exact right mix of people is difficult, particularly when you're a small business, because it doesn't take much to shift the balance the wrong way in a small team. Mm. Um, so th- those are some of the difficulties. And do you all go into the office or are you remote? Or? We are we are sort of hybrid currently because really because it seems to suit us. And I think it's a, a perk of the small business that we can offer. So we do three days together in the office and then two days working from home. Those two days from home could end up um, back in the business uh, back in the office if we've got clients coming in or we need to be together. We need at least that three days together because our our collaboration, the way we spark ideas off each other, the sitting around a table, you just can't do over a, a Zoom or a Teams screen. So you're all bit. about the collaboration. Yeah, yeah completely, yeah. completely. It's vital to what we do because, mm-hmm. you know, we all have different minds and we all have different upbringings. We all have, you know, experienced different things. So when we're putting together a campaign, we want to just use all our voices so that can be a really positive experience, but what if everybody thinks that their their idea is the right one? How well, do you Sarah, deal with that? Sarah will make that decision. <laughs> no, and that and that does happen. And and actually, what we always say about you know, particularly when, we, when we're doing sort of brainstorming is, look, there's no such thing as a wrong idea. Even if we don't go with your idea, hopefully we're going ah, hold that thought because that's sparking another thought. But yes, sometimes people stamp their ground, and very often we will go back to a client with. This is this is my personal favorite, but this one here is Michael's personal favorite. And actually, the client sometimes sees it. Oh, could we do a little bit of both? Or could we? so actually, we do. Tr- we, we we sometimes let the client have a have a little bit of a choice and an insight because sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes. Well, there is there's that collaboration between us as a team, but but we also collaborate with our clients, yeah. so they're usually involved in that process as well. Well, I wonder, do you have those clients though that go, "I've got the best idea," and you're thinking, "Oh no." <laughs> well, all, all all clients have ideas, and that's great. And it's great yeah. if they come to you with something. And and usually, what we'll do is say, "Excellent, we'll we'll explore this idea." And there, and we, if we can make their idea work, we will make their idea work. Um, but if we can say, "We took your idea, and we we've, we've added a few bells and whistles," what do you think <laughs> if we were to do this? Um, shiny thing over here. Shiny thing <laughs> over here. But actually, that's also when you have to be able to read people, and you have to understand. Wait, how and how? How firmly held is this view that the clients come to you with? If if you know actually nothing I say is going to make them move, they really want this, then you just go, you know what, this is what we're going to make and we're going to make it happen as best as we possibly can and make sure that it actually exceeds their expectations. Because sometimes you try and you try and, you know, shift somebody's perception, but actually all you do is actually annoy them. Yes. That, so so, so re- reading people and reading their 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 mood and their trust and and I say what What's behind understanding what's behind their the why? Brief. Yes, the why in yeah. their brief is actually very important, and th- and that's the same for consumers. So, 
we, we do a lot of sort of amateur psychology and not so amateur in, in many ways, but understanding what motivates people and where the sticking points are as well. Oh, I also think that's that's where our expertise comes in. You know, we, we know what will work for a brand and we know when the idea is right, it'll just resonate with us and we'll all probably get it pretty much, we'll realise pretty quickly what's going to work. And it's it's telling that client, look, we, we appreciate your input, but using our expertise, we know that this is how this yeah. will get results for you. And that's how we're measured is on results. So it's about, you know. And a little further down the line, you see, it's not like you're starting out new, Correct. but yeah. you are offering this new side to the business. It's a very busy marketplace. How do you stand out? How do you do something that's unique? Well, the, the promotional marketing side of it is is very much unique in its own way, um, in that there isn't really another agency doing what we're doing in the way that we're doing it. But obviously, there's plenty of agencies doing social media, doing kind of in-store sampling, uh, doing PR. I think it is the fact that we provide all of these things in in the one room, but we... We build the campaign using a combination of those skills as needed. So no two campaigns are the same. Everything we do is bespoke and tailor-made. So some of our clients or some of our, our campaigns could end up being two-thirds PR and one-third experiential. Some some of the others maybe have a little bit smaller of a, a PR support and actually are much more focused on the in-store environment, the retailer. We may be building a retailer incentive. So Every campaign is built bespoke to the brief, the brand and the specifics of that campaign. So I think that is what, what makes us unique. And I know from feedback we've had from our clients that the, the service and the attention and actually when, when we work on a brand, we feel like it's our brand and we, we, we work on it that way. And I think, you know, I know that not every client feels that love out there from other agencies they've worked with. So I think that that is a, a standout for us too. Yeah. So I think, I think what's unique about us, um, in terms of our offering, their offerings are offering, but it's almost the people that work in Elevator that we are the only kind of unique things about what we do. And, you know, we each have a perspective, we each have a set of skills and using those in our own way is what really makes us unique and stands us above some others. I'm interested to hear a little bit more about this experiential side of what you do. I don't fully understand that, but I do read and see that that customer experience is absolutely where it's at now. Yeah. And so for a, a, a brand to really cut through as a consumer, if they can actually taste it, touch it, feel it and kind of get to know it, maybe away from the purchase environment, but maybe in an environment that they are comfortable with. They are, they are, they already feel more connected with the brand. Um, there's certainly some, uh, statistics out there that people are 30 to 40% more likely to buy a brand that they've had some experience of away from it. And the experience can really vary. I mean, it can be as simple as it's a tasting. You know, we did a, a fabulous roadshow for Dramona during the summer with cheese toasty, mm-hmm. um, samplings <laughs> in stores. I'm there. You know, <laughs> which, I mean, there's nothing better than an experience of going into a shop at lunchtime and getting to taste a beautifully freshly made, uh, cheese toasty. They were then given a voucher of Dramona cheddar in that store on the day. The, the, the level of uptake was very significant. We've also just completed an experiential roadshow for TransLink, which was quite different. And it was about bringing to life their life better connected um, brand proposition, which is really all about hearts and minds and explaining to people how TransLink connects people and places across Northern Ireland and across key pillars, including climate, education, mm. uh, the economy. 
And so we really wanted people to actually almost touch and engage with um, with TransLink. So we commissioned a, a fabulously talented um, Australian artist called uh, Danny Simpson to create a beautiful artwork for us that depicted Northern Ireland and TransLink services. So all of the different bus and rail operations, a very stylized sort of illustration of Northern Ireland. So it would have shown the Giants Causeway, the Peace Bridge and Derry, etc. And, and different services. But it was actually a colouring in a giant grown-up colouring in that took place in five different shopping centres across Northern Ireland. So it was a three metre by two metre display and consumers were invited, or visitors to the stand were invited to colour in a section that they felt connected them with TransLink. So somebody maybe who worked in a hospital might have coloured in a bit of the hospital or somebody from Newry might have coloured in a little bit of Newry. It's lovely. And it, was, it, was, it, was, it really captured hearts and minds and it was there was no hard sell message. We weren't, I mean, of course, there was information about services, but it was really about trying to understand the meaning of TransLink. Mm-hmm. And that's probably a, a great example of experiential, just bringing the brand to life in a way that people could connect to and, and relate to. It obviously involves ideas, creativity, trying something new and and with that comes risk yes yeah and it's not just about the new i think the guys also did something with hafner sausages recently with freshers was freshers wasn't it yes and you know they cooked some sausages there and the freshers got to come along and experience them and eat them like that's that's the part of experience (laughs) that i think everyone could get behind but it really works you know if you can go there see it taste it immediately you'll know whether you like it you can create a fan for life by doing it that Absolutely, way. and they'll remember the first time they tried it and it reminds them of their university experience. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fabulous. So what's next then for Elevator? Well, obviously, you know, we're, we're, we want to grow. We want to keep growing. We, we've we've you know, built a great reputation and name for ourselves and a lovely client base, but, you know, it can't stop there. We've now got a sort of a, a new offering with the addition of PR. So continuing to grow is, is, is key for us. Um, probably developing more into the south of Ireland as well. We've focused very much on, on, on the north. We're very lucky that that our clients here have been enough to keep us going. And some of them we do work with on an all-Ireland basis. Some we work with on a, on a UK-wide basis. But there's definitely a lot of potential for us in, in the south as well. Uh, and obviously we want to grow our, our PR division. Um, and we, we want to grow our numbers, but we don't ever want to be huge because our quality and our service and our teamwork is based on us keeping to, you know, a nice sort of boutique size rather than being ever becoming sort of a, a, a megadon. But uh, certainly, certainly adding a few more to the team would be great. Over the and how many period. do you have in the team at the minute? So we are currently seven. Wow. Um, with, with our new start, who just started today. Um, so which is which is a great number. But, you know, we need to we, we work at quite a rate. We, we, we are busy um, with, with, with all of our client brands. We also want to make sure that we can all enjoy downtime, that we can, you know, Take the relevant holidays that you can stop work when you stop at the end of the day. So that's you know, you need to have enough people so that everybody can have that sort of quality of life and enjoy their their downtime. And the culture of the organisation is important to you. What would you say your values are? Um, gosh, well, I suppose we would say integrity and honesty. I mean, I you know the, we we are not hierarchical. We we try to be very democratic. Obviously, some people have more experience. Some people are older. Um, <laughs> but but we also try and learn from. From, from the, from the younger members of the team, because actually everybody's voice should be heard. So, no, we try, we try to be very, um, inclusive, fair-minded and, and, and honest. But Michael probably has a view seeing as he's a, a newer member yes, of the team. As a newbie that's just been onboarded. Th- what made th- you pick th- Elevator? Well, when I think of, no, no pressure. When I think about the approach that we take, 
common sense is just screams at me because we do kind of take that common sense approach. I think sometimes people can intellectualize things a little bit too much when it's just like, well, hold on. They just want to taste it. They just want to eat that. They just want to see that. Keep it simple. Simplicity. Yeah, simplicity and honesty and integrity. They're good values. Um, This obviously podcast is usually listened to by uh, people who have an entrepreneurial spirit. And people are fascinated, as you said already, about the story and the why. I just wonder, you know, feeling a little bit vulnerable, is there anything you would change about the business journey you've been on to date? Any life lessons that you could pass on to somebody else? Um, for, for me, the journey was actually fairly smooth, but often, as it's often the case, accidental and knowing when to say yes to the right thing. As I said, I'm, I moved to Belfast to be with my now husband, so I needed to find a, a suitable career outlet to, to follow on from what I've been doing in London. I was put in touch with somebody that led to me setting up my own business. So knowing to say yes, going, this feels good. This feels like a good way of doing it where I get to have my own business, but a safety net of an existing group of companies. And then when a few years later, I got the opportunity to buy myself out of the group, that also felt good. And I thought, no, this I, I don't need to think about this too hard. I think very often the decisions are actually already there in your head and you just need to have the confidence to say yes to them or at least to say, why not? And I think that's probably the thing I would say when an opportunity comes a knocking, just say, why not? This this could be the right thing to do right now. And it may be something external to you, maybe not exactly the plan you had, but actually that why not? This is good. This has happened for a reason. And I think that's exactly sums up um, setting up our, our, our PR division was why not? This feels exactly right, even though I didn't know it was necessarily going to happen You're right here, right now. So that gut feeling yeah. that you've yeah. kind of trusted it yeah. and it's always delivered. Yeah. So I think when it comes yeah. to entrepreneurs, sir, I think I have so much respect for people who go out there and, you know, take a risk because it is a risk. Advice that I would give them, have a look at competitors who are doing the same thing that you are. Have a look at what they're doing right, maybe what they're getting wrong and reflect that in your business offering. The purpose of this podcast, Sarah and Michael, is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering an insight into the success of businesses such as Elevator Promotions. What advice then would you give to people who may have the business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking, Michael? I have the utmost respect for entrepreneurs who um, have an idea and have the guts to go after it and try and make it a success I, I know I know some of them and without fail they're also very very brave when it comes to how they approach it have a look at what your competitors are doing are they doing something that's working particularly well on the other hand are they doing something that you feel isn't working particularly well for them I think there's no there's no harm in doing some research in that respect and I think maybe try and speak to a business mentor someone who you respect there are lots of them in Northern Ireland. We have a very entrepreneurial society. Um, and I think, without a doubt, everyone I've spoken to in my own personal life has always given me advice. They've never been standoffish. There's never been that, oh, I'm not sure I should advise this guy. He might run with an idea and do better at it than, than myself. Um, I've never experienced that. So I just, just you know, get out there and speak to people who mm. are doing something something that you respect. Mm, Everybody has a nugget that you can uh, take away or decide not to take away with you. Sarah, same question to you. Yeah, I think it's it's all about trusting your instincts and knowing yourself. If you if you have a business idea, and you 
feel that you are definitely the right person to, to bring it to life, then you're probably right. And as, as Michael says, it's about seeking advice and asking the right questions, but also asking those questions of yourself. And there are ways and ways of being entrepreneurial and people that you can bring with you on your journey and finding opportunities and identifying and agreeing to them when they happen. So knowing when to say yes, when opportunity comes knocking or, you know, perhaps you, you want to do something completely on your own. But at the same time, somebody approaches you and says, I've had this idea. Maybe suddenly your entrepreneurial idea becomes a partnership. Maybe it's a temporary partnership. Trying to trying to uh, foresee every step of the journey is just not possible. It's just no. not ever going to happen. But if you can, uh, if you can say yes and get yourself started and trust yourself, you will get there. Um, keep checking in on yourself. Don't delude yourself. I think that's probably one of the <laughs> biggest lessons. Trust yourself and your own abilities and skills. And then keep check on yourself as well, but also keep keep the bar set high in terms of your next steps. Yes, any control freakery should be um, yeah, reined in because Correct. you can't know it all, but Correct. taking those baby steps, just moving forward. Yeah, It's been a pleasure having you in the podcast studio today. You've been listening to Sarah Callanan, Managing Director, and Michael McCrory, Head of Consumer PR at Elevator Promotions. Lovely talking to you today. And if you've liked what you've heard on the Public Eye podcast, then do join me again for another episode very soon. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service where our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.